You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisedchurch.com. All right. Praise God. Welcome. Um, if you're watching online, if you're here, I know there's different people who you, man, you tune in at different times. Maybe this is your first Sunday here. Maybe you've been coming since we started back up again. Maybe you've been watching us online. We just want to say welcome. There's a lot of new people. Uh, I have learned I just don't ask how long you've been coming here or is this your new first time because I generally look foolish. And I can't remember anybody's name either. So I'm just like, what's up, bro? Um, I've gotten really good at dude and bros and... I can't figure out a good one for a lady yet, but girl. What's up, girl? Uh, Ma'am. Hi, ma'am. Yes. Uh, But do this with me. Grab your Bibles and turn them to Leviticus chapter 6. Come on, somebody. We're in Leviticus this morning. You know it's about ready to get good. How many people have read Leviticus in the last 12 months? Super Christians right there. Praise God. Well, we started last week a series called Feed the Fire. Uh, I've been thinking the whole time about Ice Age and Sid the Sloth, about being Lord of the Flames. Uh, And that's what we're doing today is we're talking about how to be Lord of the Flames. And uh, my brother started the series last week, and today we're going to continue. How do we feed the fire? And in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 9, it says this, uh, Give Aaron, come on somebody's good name, and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain. Somebody say remain. On the altar hearth throughout the night till morning and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments. Come on, Jesus cares about your clothes. Next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Then he is to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean and the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, everybody say every morning. The priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Amen. Now, maybe you've read scripture like this and you've wondered what the heck are they talking about and why is that in the Bible? This is a great uh, lesson for us to learn, the very important lesson of how to keep the fire burning. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that our God, your God, Jesus is an all-consuming fire. He is in, come on somebody, he is an all-consuming fire. And it is our job to keep that fire lit. In fact, he tells the Levitical priest twice, it must not go out, but keep that fire burning. It is not the Lord's responsibility to keep that fire burning. It is our responsibility to keep that fire burning. I'm going to say that again. It is not God's job to keep your fire burning. He is the fire. It is your job to keep it lit. And I'm going to explain what that means here in a minute. Now, I don't know about you guys, um, but I am not a big outdoorsman. Some, Some way, shape, and form, God planted me in Woodland, Washington to teach me a lesson. And I'm still learning what that lesson is. But recently, my family and I went on a boating trip with some friends, and we went up to Yale Lake. 
and it was beautiful. We were on this beach and uh, they were teaching my kids how to fish because I don't know, that's disgusting. Um, I love to go buy the fish from the store and cook the fish and eat the fish. It's the whole, it's like when they slash the gills and the blood starts pouring out, I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, you do it. And my son is in there loving it. I'm like, praise God. I have people who can teach my son. So we're there and we're at the beach and you're all like, is he a man? I want you to know I bought my first power tools the other day. (laughs) Underneath this shirt, there's a lot more chest hair than there was a couple of weeks ago. Now, don't ask me whether they're electric or not. It doesn't matter. They're power tools. It is a chainsaw. And for the first time in my life, I cut down trees. Thank you. Thank you. Tash noticed an odor coming from me recently. I said, that's the smell of a man. Um, Anyways, I digress. So we were on the beach. It was a beautiful day looking at Mount St. Helens. And uh, we, we brought fireworks because we're crazy. And we were shooting off fireworks there on the beach. And my son is like, can I start a fire? We're like, yeah, go start a fire. So he's over there and he's getting little pieces and twigs and leaves and moss. And he's, all these kids are trying to start this fire. And the wind keeps blowing out the little flame and sand gets thrown on there. And now they're just getting frustrated. Like, can you guys help us start the fire? I'm like, step aside. Let me help you. So I come over there and I needed my friend to come help get the fire going. And so once, once we got the fire going though, the kids, they started like, it got huge. Like you couldn't get too close because they started putting more wood on there and they're putting other things on there to make it grow big. And it was growing really hot, so hot that it was like, you guys got to stop because you're feeding it too much. And um, I, as I'm watching this, the Lord's beginning to teach me. He's like, but, and this is what a lot of Christians look like when they try to start the flame in their heart is the wind and the, the sand and life begins to come and the ease of starting a fire all of a sudden becomes very difficult and they needed somebody else to come help them start that fire. And oftentimes our life looks very much the same as, uh, this is an analogy we've heard many a times, right? Where life happens and winds blow and they, they push us and they move us and somebody throws sand on us and what we once were excited about, now we're frustrated. And I thought I loved God and I've been coming to church, but now I'm just distraught and frustrated and distressed and, and I'm not as on fire as I used to be. And I used to have a big flame in my heart, but now it's just really hard to have that flame. And is there anybody here that's tired of like the ups and the downs of being on fire for the Lord? Is anybody here who would just be like, I just want to be on fire every day, all day long for the rest of my life. Like I'm tired of the troughs in my life. I just want the mountaintops. I just want to continue to stay burning for Jesus. It is not the Lord's job to keep your fire fed. God desires for you and for I to be the light of the world. How are we the light of the world? By being a burning, blazing fire for him. That is the best way for the world to see there's a light burning outside of you is when you're on fire for him. What does being on fire for God look like? It looks like where nothing else matters but just him. It looks like where there's no compromise in your life. It looks like when you wake up in the morning dreaming about the Lord. It it means when you're going about your day, you're thinking about the Lord. It means you're reading your words. You're in love with his presence. You spend time alone with him. 
alone, not in your car driving, not about your day, but because you love him so much. If I, if me and my wife just spent time with each other amongst other people, amongst our kids and amongst just doing various activities, but never spent one-on-one time, our relationship would be very dull. You need one-on-one time with the Lord. That is an indicator of what it looks like, a life who's on fire for Jesus that says, nothing else has my attention but him, but Jesus. And I think oftentimes we aspire to that. We hear that. We talk about these types of things regularly at church, but we, I think, are wondering at times, how do I get there? Like, how do I get on fire for the Lord? And how do I stay there? Has everybody been on fire for that, that one worship service where you came forward and snot was coming down and you were like, woo, I'm on fire. And then Monday morning you came like, woo, I'm but a little spark. Like that, that is normal. And that should not be normal. That the Bible is very clear in Leviticus chapter 6 that we, you and I, are to keep that fire burning daily. And how are we to do that? How are we to keep that fire burning? And I believe that for many of us, I believe that today and this series is going to be very important for us to learn how to stay in tune with the Lord, passionate for the Lord, on fire for the Lord. Not just a one moment, one month. One time when we read that book, that one time when that song is played at church, everybody have one of those songs? I got a couple of those songs. When that song's put on, ooh, I can feel the Lord. But what about when I'm home alone and it's Monday through Saturday? We need to be people who stay passionate for the Lord. So fire dies, write this down. Fire dies when it has nothing to consume. Fire dies when it has nothing to consume. Now, this is very simple in nature, But stick with me for a moment. In the Old Testament, these Levitical priests, they and all of Israel, they needed a sacrifice in order to come and have access to the Lord. It was an atoning sacrifice for their sins. And when they offered it, they received forgiveness of their sins. And then Jesus came on the cross. The Lamb of God was slain and his blood was spilled and it covered for all eternity the sins of man. So no longer do we need to offer animal sacrifices, praise God. But we are still required to bring a sacrifice. I think oftentimes we think that when Jesus died on the cross, His was the last sacrifice that was required. Let me show you why that is not true. In Romans chapter 12, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view and understanding of all that he's done, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. Everybody say holy. Holy moly and pleasing to God. (laughs) This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. The cost of true worship is not a song. It is your life. The cost of worship is your life. And oftentimes we do, well, you know, I just don't really know if I feel like raising my hands today. I just don't really feel like dancing. Like it's just not my style of dancing, of worship. Yep. Are we good? All right, we say things like, I don't know if I feel like giving God praise today. And worship has been deduced to what we feel like doing. In the Old Testament, in order to come into the house of the Lord, you were required to bring an animal sacrifice. 
And you think our worship can get messy sometimes. They didn't sacrifice that animal outside the camp where they could like just ignore it. They did it in the house of the Lord. And you're all like, I don't know if I can handle praying in the spirit from a microphone. They sacrificed the animal in the worship service. Blood and guts, gross. I don't like fishing. (laughs) What? Praise God, I was born in this century. (laughs) I get so distracted sometimes. Oh, this is great. I haven't preached in a while. It feels so good to be back. Um, I put on a sport jacket today. She's like, someone's preaching. Didn't wear a sweatshirt to church. It felt, felt good to dress up again. We hear these stories of an Old Testament God, and we think, well, that's how God was. In the Bible, God says his name is I was. No, he says his name is I am. Not I was. I am. Well, Aaron, that's how it was in the Old Testament. That's not related. No, the same God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire is the same God you serve today. He didn't go through a midlife crisis at the cross and say, I'm not that way anymore. He's the same God. The same God who sent his son to die for you is the same God you serve. The same God who told Abraham to take his son up onto a mountaintop and sacrifice his son is the same God you serve today. The same one. He is and always will be the same. The same God that requires holiness to be coming in. When you come in, those priests, when they came in, they tied a rope around their leg when they came in just in case they had sin in their life and God would kill them in a moment and they would drag them out. That's the same God we sing about today. Oh God, you're such a good father and he's a righteous one. Holy and perfect and he abhors sin. He hates it with a vengeance. He always is. And this way of coming into the presence of the Lord is no different. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. Holy to the Lord. There is a difference between a sacrifice that is holy and isn't holy. In Leviticus chapter 10, it talks about a profane fire that the priests offered, Aaron's two sons, offered a profane fire. What did they do? They put a sacrifice before the Lord that wasn't holy, and the Lord killed them instantly. That's the God that we serve today still. Okay? This is a God who says, a sacrifice to me must be holy. What is the sacrifice? You are that sacrifice. You are to be holy. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. How do you feed the fire? You must give it something to burn. You are that something to burn. Why is the fire in my life going out? It is because you are no longer offering yourself as a sacrifice. That sacrifice must be offered daily to the Lord. It is a daily sacrifice. What happens on that altar? Death. Death happens on that altar. They didn't put that spotless, beautiful white lamb on that altar and say, oh, isn't he pretty? Okay, next one, put the bowl up there. No, they took a giant knife, put it through its heart or slit its throat, blood spilled out, and it died. That is a picture 
of our sacrificial moment with the Lord daily. Now, what does that mean? The Bible talks about death to self. What is actually dying? Not our physical bodies, praise God. But it is our death to self, our needs, our wants, my desires, my pride, my fear. Death to self, I am the living sacrifice now. Let your fire come and burn upon me. Fire will go out if it has nothing to burn. Casual worship will cause your fire to go out. When we forget and lose appreciation and value for what Jesus did on that cross 2,000 years ago for salvation in our lives, your fire will go out. There once was a time where what he did on that cross was enough to make people get up out of their chairs and stand up and shout for what Jesus did. There once was a time where you would stand up on your chair and say, just because of what Jesus did for me, I will not be silent. There once was a time, if you can remember, where you remembered what it was like before him and you're like, If he never does anything for me ever again, I am good. I have enough to be thankful for. There was enough to shout about simply because of what he did for us. And now we're like, well, what did you do for me yesterday? How did my boss treat me this week? How are my finances this month? How did my my spouse speak to me on the way to church today? I don't know if I feel like it. There was a time, if you can remember, in your life where it didn't matter what happened. He was simply worthy of your praise regardless of how you felt. But casual worship seeps in. And that's when we present the profane fire to the Lord. And he doesn't want it. There's actually a sacrifice he doesn't want. There's actually worship he doesn't want. And that's why we must recognize what is he after. True worship is a life on the altar before the Lord. Leviticus 6 verse 12 says this, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out every morning. The priest is to add firewood. So Aaron, how often are you asking me to have this moment with the Lord? Every morning. Morning. Tending the fire is a daily process. Tending the fire of the Lord is a daily process. There are people in this room that you look up to spiritually. Everybody in this room has somebody where they're like, man, that person has got it. That person is in love with Jesus. I guarantee you what makes them that way is that daily they're with the Lord. Daily. Not just for five minutes either. It's, it's time. You know what's fascinating? I remember dating my wife and it was like, y'all remember when you'd go on a date and then you'd sit in the driveway for like two hours because you didn't want to leave and you're sitting there like, oh, you opened the door. No, you open the door. And you're like, oh, stop it. And then you would get in your room and you'd get in your bed and you'd like lay on your pillow with your phone, the flip phones. Everybody remember the old flip phones? It was perfect. The, the, the iPhones don't work this way anymore, but the old flip phones is perfect with the pillow and you just talk and you fall asleep talking to each other. Like you never wanted to end. Remember that? That's what it's like when you're in love with Jesus. It's no different. You don't want to leave. So you're like, you can tell me I got to spend time. I don't have time. Then once you see him, you will want to spend time. When you see the fire in his eyes, When you see the beauty of the Lord, the kindness of God, when you hear his voice, when you spend time with him, you're like, I never want to leave. 
How do you feed the fire? Oh, let me say one more thing. I already said it. Leviticus chapter 10. When you feed the fire, number two, you must remove the ashes of yesterday. Leviticus 6 chapter 10. It says, the priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Everybody remember that, that guy like who's 40 and was a, like a star quarterback in high school and they're like, oh, let me tell you when I was in high school, man, I was the best. And you're like, bro, you need to like, you need to get a life. Like you're living on your teenage years, like we're through it. Like you need to move on. This is what many Christians do. Like we had that moment or when we got saved or when we got baptized, we like live, that moment is trying to sustain us years after the fact. And God never designed it to be that way. He said, you need to remove the ashes. What are the ashes? The ashes are whatever God did for you yesterday. The ashes are the testimony from three weeks ago. Now there is a unique tension with this because on one hand, I preached a message about a year ago that talks about remembrance. Jonathan, my brother talked last week about remembrance. There is something powerful about the testimony of your word. And sometimes it's all you got to stand on. I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this moment, but because I know what God did for me three years ago, because what he did in that person's life, because of what I read in the Bible, that testimony is getting me through. So this isn't about ignoring what God has done. This is saying, thank you for what you did yesterday, but God, I need a fresh touch today. Thank you for what you got me through last year, but God, I need a fresh touch right now. There is a tension between not relying upon what God did and not forgetting what God did. And we need to be people who daily remove the ashes of yesterday to say, God, I'm so grateful that church was awesome on Sunday. That was a great word. I received so much of it, but now it's Monday morning. And it's like, okay, God, I need a fresh fire. The fresh fire of today I need. And you want to know what can't burn? Ashes. They can't burn. Your ashes can't burn. Well, I don't know why I just can't get on fire for the Lord again. It's because you got ashes on the altar and not fresh firewood. You need the fresh firewood daily to go on the altar and stop waiting for your ashes to get burnt again. They won't. And you're living in the past. And we got Christians who've been Christians for 30 years who can quote, quote more scripture than I can, who've read the Bible over and over and over and over and over and over. And yet they haven't encountered the Lord fresh for today. They're living on yesterday. God is bringing a fresh fire for you if there's something to burn on the altar. Zechariah 10, verse 1. Come on, we're reading out of Leviticus and Zechariah today. Come on, somebody. It's getting real. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now read that carefully. Ask the Lord for rain when? When it's already raining. What? Wait, it's raining and I'm supposed to pray for rain? That doesn't, that sounds weird. One of the hardest times to stay focused on the Lord is when the fire is upon you. We are very good at being in a time of peace and blessing in our lives and getting very complacent. Oh man, this is so nice. It just feels so good to just, man, I'm just, whew, like God's been doing some great things and ah, I'm just gonna take a little breather here. No, it's in the time of the rain that you need to pray for more rain. I fall susceptible to this, especially as leaders, we can easily fall susceptible to this is when God begins to move, we start changing our practices. 
instead of what got us there to begin with, we don't stick with it for some reason. We get lazy. It's like we'll go through seasons when we're desperate for God to move. And we'll wake up early and intercede. We'll go to the intercessors uh, meeting on Thursdays. We'll come on an altar call and pray that God does something. And then, you know, once God does it, then we're like, whew, glad that's over. Get back to normal life. That should be normal. Why does fire go out? It's because you stopped doing what got you there. We need to pray for the rain when it's raining. Third one is this. How do you feed the fire? This is a word we've used over and over and over. You surrender. I'm going to read this to you. If you stop offering yourself to the Lord, your fire will go out. If you stop giving him your unconditional worship, your fire will go out. If you stop yielding certain parts of your heart to him, your fire will go out. If you're asking God to set you on fire, but you're not feeding the fire, your fire will die. You must feed the fire. God is not going to send fire to revive the fire. Fire doesn't revive fire. The parts of your life that need to be consumed revive the fire. Oftentimes, we've got areas in our lives where um, the Lord has been like touching on. Y'all know those areas where he's been like highlighting and you just say, ah. the holding back of those areas from the Lord. Maybe it's because you're, you feel insecure. Maybe it's because you feel uncomfortable or scared or you wonder if this stuff is for real. Maybe it's because you've been hurt by this or that. Maybe it's, maybe it's an addiction and you've been addicted to something for years and you're like, and you've begun to explain it away and say, well, you know, God understands I'm doing all these other things. This is just a thorn in my side that Paul was talking about. Stop it. Stupid. God died to give you victory in every area of your life. And just as Jeremy shared about offering and tithes, he didn't ask for 10% of your money, nor did he ask for 10% of your life. He asked for 100% of your money and 100% of your life, all of it. And when you withhold it from the Lord, that's like trying to go on the altar to die, but your foot is off. Like, no, your whole body must go on there. Every area of your life must be offered to the Lord. And when you don't, the fire doesn't consume you the way that he wants to. And I think oftentimes we've become professionals at explaining away why we're withholding this, why we're struggling with that, why we fall into that cycle of sin over and over and over. The offering that the Lord is looking for is holy. It is holy. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God that he welcomes all in. You've got sin and mess in your life. You're struggling. You've been addicted to this hurt from here. God says, come on in, son or daughter. I love you in your mess. I'm not embarrassed, intimidated, or ashamed by what you've done. I love you. But once you come in, he says, now leave it behind. The problem is we're carrying our dead man with us all throughout our life, carrying our sin with us. And we're like, well, I'm following the Lord. And he's like, yeah, but look what you're dragging. Oh, but it's okay. I'm still following you. He said, no. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a holy sacrifice. It's time to let go of it and to place it on the altar and say, burn it up. And he'll do it. He'll burn it. The level of your passion and fire for God is directly correlated to the level of your surrender. Show me somebody who was surrendered, and I'll show you somebody who's on fire for Jesus. They are directly related. I wish I could tell you that if you shouted really loud, it would mean you're on fire for the Lord. 
I wish I could tell you that if you danced during worship, that would mean that you're on fire for Jesus. But I've seen many a people dancing who don't even know Jesus, and it's all fake. I've seen many people shouting because we say, everybody lift up a shout, and you know what? Their heart doesn't even know the Lord. That is but a, a aspect of, it is a, it is a fruit of somebody who knows Jesus, but it's really easy to imitate fruit. Are, are you at your core healthy? The fruit will show that. Your life and your choices will show that. And I, and I believe that the Lord is making a distinction very clearly in this church because he has been moving and he is moving. And I don't know about you, but I feel like these last two to three months have been mind-blowing of what God has been doing here. And when God begins to move, greater precision comes on those who are authentic and those who are fake. Those who are dragging their sin, dragging their dead man, those who are carrying uh, doubt and shame, those who are carrying um, hurt or guilt, those who are carrying fear or pride, and he's drawing a line of distinction to say, I'm looking for a, a holy sacrifice, and it is you. You are the sacrifice. You mean it's not the songs that I sing, no, it's you are the sacrifice. In Leviticus 6, verse 9, it says, Give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar. It is to remain. You, that sacrifice, are to remain on the altar. You're to remain there all through the night. All through the night, you are to remain on the altar so the fire can burn you up. The refiner's fire is so hot, it molds you into gold and silver, making you precious and perfect. It comes and it burns away all the scars and the pain and the hurts and the confusions and the doubts and the worries. But it's for those who remain on the altar. And I love, it says, through the night, Anybody here ever put yourself on the altar during like the, the second or third song of worship? Then you're like, um, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost 10 o'clock. We should be done by now. There's something about remaining on that altar that I believe the Lord is looking for from people who will remain. When Jesus ascended to heaven, 500 people were told to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, 500 people. How many were left? 120. 380 people did not remain. They didn't wait. They got impatient. They got frustrated. I thought you said the fire was coming. I thought you said the gift was coming. Why isn't it here yet? I thought you said it was going to receive something. Was this even real? And then I can imagine the things they started thinking. He must have been talking about something else. He didn't mean remain here. He must have been talking about he was going to do something from heaven maybe. I don't know if I even believe what happened anymore. I don't know. Was he actually the son of God? And they started to go through these mental hurdles. And pretty soon they stopped remaining. They stopped waiting. And they left. And only 120 out of 500 people were left at the upper room to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Those 120 had fire over their heads because they remained. You want to know how to have fire over your head, in your heart, in your mind, coming out of your mouth? To remain on the altar all through the night. We need some people who will begin to remain on the altar through the night. 
You won't get impatient and every day. I love it because it was like, put it on the altar, probably during the morning, early morning hours, it's gonna burn. And it's gonna burn all day and all night. Isn't that amazing? And now it's over. Get the ashes off, fresh firewood. Burn all day and all night. Wow, God, now get the ashes off. Fresh firewood, burn all day, burn all night. Now remove it again. The same thing every day. Wow, that's boring. Not when you encounter him. Not when you're on fire for him. It's not boring. It's like, I can't wait to remove the ashes again and start all over. I need the fresh fire for today. Well, Aaron, is that practical? Like, how does that work if I'm not a pastor? It looks like Jesus will burn whatever you put on the altar. Wake up earlier. Go to bed early. Last night, my wife and I, we went to bed during the eight o'clock hour because I wake up at the butt crack of dawn. I need beauty sleep badly. This has got to cook a long time. Not for her. She only needs like two hours of sleep. Go to bed earlier. Stop watching TV every day. If you would spend all the time you do on social media in your word, you'd get on fire. Hello. Discontinue your direct TV or your Comcast. Don't give your kids cell phones when they're five or 12. Come on, somebody. Like, give them the word of God. Well, you don't understand, they really need it. They think they need it. I'm not giving you rules and regulations. I'm just saying, get hungry enough for it. You're like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes for the fire of God in my life and in my family's life, in my home. My home will be noticed around town and as people drive by, that's a house on fire for the Lord. That's what I want. I want people when they drive by our church. Man, that church is on fire. How do you get corporate revival? How do you have corporate fire? It's when individual people like you and like me are on fire for the Lord. You get us together like my kids building that fire. It gets so hot you can't even get closer. You'll get burned. When enough people get together who are on fire, it ignites. How do you see cities become knowing the Lord? It's when enough people like you and me get on fire for the Lord together like we're going to burn this city up. God's looking for a burning men and burning women who won't allow the routine of going through the motions or church or the structure of this or they get bored or this isn't fun anymore. Fun. There is nothing as fun as being with Jesus. And you may, and I've been where you're at. If you're questioning me, well, that brother, that doesn't sound very fun. Then you haven't ever been with him. Don't mean to be disrespectful. Maybe you were at one time and you've just forgotten. But when you've been with him, you won't ever want to leave him. Why don't you stand with me? I I asked the worship team to just come up to sing a song because I just want Jesus. And whether I'm burning or I'm, my flame is out, I'm like, God, I need more. Send more fire upon me. God, come and burn in my heart. And w- every time I get to a place where I'm like, I'm there. I, like, I've made it. I'm on fire. He just slaps me on the head and he shows me that it's but a glimpse of him. So if you're sitting there today saying, Aaron, I'm there, man. I'm with you. I'm going to say, no, you're not. There's more. 
I don't even know what it is, but there's more. I haven't even experienced yet because I keep asking every morning, God, give me more. I want more. I want to be in that place where what you did on the cross is enough for me to shout for the rest of my life. Whether I'm stuck in a dungeon and handcuffed and put aside and I never get food or water, I will still be thankful simply because of what you did on the cross. And I just this morning want to ask the Lord for more fire to come and burn in my heart, to come and burn in your heart. And so I'm going to ask them to just sing. And you are welcome to stay in your chair. You're welcome to come forward. I wish I could tell you that if you came forward, the fire would fall on you, but you can come forward and get nothing. Some of you may need to just come forward and lay yourself at the altar just as a prophetic act to say, okay, God, I'm getting out of my chair because I need your fire. Some of you may need to just get and turn around on your chair and just kneel before the Lord and repent. Repent for profane fire that you've maybe been offering to the Lord. Some of you maybe need to come forward and you just need to begin to say, God, remove the ashes, take them away and place fresh firewood upon the altar. So right now, as they just begin to play and sing, I just want to invite you to do whatever you feel led to do in this moment. If you're watching at home and you feel like, I just need to stand up, I need to kneel, I need to lay on the floor, whatever it is, I want to invite you to just do whatever you feel like the Holy Spirit leading you to do. And I believe that the fire is going to fall on this room. So Holy Spirit, we ask. We ask for the fire of God to begin to fall. God, we ask for the fire to begin to fall upon us. We ask for the fire to begin to fall upon this room, upon this city, and upon this region. Come and burn within me, God. Come and burn within me. Let's sing this together.
Come on, if you're if you're in the standing there feeling like I don't feel anything quite yet, casual worship, casual casual worship will never bring the fire. It will never bring it. Casual worship will snuff out a flame faster than you can imagine. If you're standing there and saying, God, like I need something now. Like I've been desperate for the fire of God. I've watched it on other people, but I haven't experienced it for myself. I'm telling you, let casual worship leave and begin to worship the Lord passionately. Begin to lift your hands. Begin to lift your voices. Begin to get hungry for the Lord to say, God, I want to see the fire in your eyes. I want to see the fire, God. I want to encounter you. Touch me again. Touch me. Set a fire down in my heart. I'm hungry and I'm desperate for you, Jesus. You're my only delight.
the voices. Far down in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. Sing it again. Prophesy. Come on, hear what you're asking for. Say it again. Sing it again. There's some of you that you need to come forward right now. You feel the Lord just asking you to step out of your chair and to come forward to the altar and to lay yourself at the altar. Do it right now. If you're in your chair, if you're at home and you feel the Lord is just asking you to take that step to come forward, even if you're in your living room, just come, take that step before the Lord. I want you to do it right now. Don't wait. I want you to come forward. Sing it again, set a fire. Just the voices.